morning and welcome back to Alger Assembly of God. Welcome back. This is the conclusion then of our series entitled Infinitely More, our seventh installment of the series. We've been looking at the life of Jesus Christ uh, from uh, Easter up until now. We've been looking at his life, uh, the calling of the disciples, teachings and miracles and declarative I will statements. And we've looked at this fact that God has so much more in store for you and I than we could ask or think or imagine. Our key verse, uh, theme verse that we've been looking at, Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20, it reads like this. Now all glory to God who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish, uh, accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. Infinitely more. Now I know some of you have got some great imaginations. How many of you have great imaginations? You might not be uh, the child uh, that, that you were at one point in time, but your, your imagination is still kind of childlike. You, you've got great imaginations. I, I know we've got some out here. Very good. Even more than you could ask or think or imagine, God has got more in store for you and I. That's, that's an exciting thing, right? Because how many of you would rather have more than you imagine, more than you think, rather than less, right? I mean, sometimes you've been disappointed with something. Uh, you know, maybe you, you watch a game, you watch a show, you, you go someplace to, uh, to eat a meal, and you've been underwhelmed. Isn't that a little disappointing? You know, you hear great things about this restaurant, so you check it out, and it's, eh, it's okay, you know, you hear great things about this brand new store and you go shop and you're like, eh, it's okay. God's not looking to just kind of give an, eh, it's okay giving or blessing into our lives. It says he's able to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. That's not an, eh, that's a, whoa. Thank you, God. Thank you for your blessing. Thank you for your giving. And so God has a desire to do that. His, his plan for you and I, it leads us to Jesus. We're able to find hope. We're able to find forgiveness. We're able to receive eternal life through salvation in his son, Jesus Christ. But as we've seen in these last couple of weeks, in the I will declarative statements of Jesus, and last week as we took a look at the Holy Spirit, God's plan for you and I also involves you and I receiving and experiencing the power and the infilling, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit was present in creation, Genesis chapter 1. It says, the Holy Spirit moved upon the face of the waters. The Holy Spirit was evident in the lives of many individuals in the Old Testament. If you check a look at Joshua in Numbers 27, or Gideon in Judges chapter 6, Saul in 1 Samuel 10, or David in 2 Samuel 23, Ezekiel in chapter 2, we see God through the power of the Holy Spirit equipping and empowering individuals, and yet uh, the Spirit was waiting to be revealed to the word to the world. The prophet Joel put it this way, speaking about the coming of the Holy Spirit hundreds of years before Jesus Christ came into the world. Joel chapter 2, verse 28, his prophecy says this, And afterward... I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. 
even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. That's a promise. He said he would pour out of his spirit. In fact, Jesus points to this in the midst of his ministry here on earth. John chapter 14, this is a scripture that we've looked at. He says, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit. So Joel prophesied, Jesus declared it. In fact, Jesus reminds his followers of this uh, when he was appearing to them after the resurrection. Luke chapter 24, verse 49, he says, And now I will send the Holy Spirit just as my Father promised. But stay here in the city until the Holy Spirit comes and fills you with power from heaven. Jesus gives a promise. So the heart of God, not just in the Old Testament, the heart of God through the ministry, through the life, through the teaching of Jesus Christ, it's for you and I to receive and experience the Holy Spirit. He wants us to have the Holy Spirit to be able to continue the mission, to be able to continue the ministry that he has begun. You and I are to continue reaching people, their hearts and lives through Jesus Christ. And as you and I experience and receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit, a couple of things happened. Your life is going to change. And the lives of individuals around you will change as the Holy Spirit empowers you. So we're going to look at a couple of things as we continue a little bit of what we began last week about who the Holy Spirit is and what the Holy Spirit does. Today, first of all, I want us to understand that the Holy Spirit gives power. Power. Maybe you might not feel the most energetic. You might not feel the most powerful at this particular day and at this particular time. Spiritually, the Holy Spirit comes to give power. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. It says, but you will receive power. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Judea, uh, Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. A couple of key words that we see in this scripture, a couple of key words in the promise. First of all, it's that word power. He says, that's what you and I will receive. In other words, you and I can't do all that God has called us to do in our own strength, we need the power of God through the power and the infilling of the Holy Spirit. We need power. Some of you say, man, that's great because I'm not sure that I can do everything God's called me to do. That's right. We need to be empowered and equipped. The Holy Spirit gives power. That's another key word in that verse, and that's the, the word witnesses. Witnesses. The power of the Holy Spirit makes us and empowers us to be an effective witness. A, a witness is someone who shares and declares what they've seen and heard, right? We know about that. Some of you, you enjoy some of the television shows or movies uh, which involve courtrooms, and, and they always call what? Witnesses to the stand. They put a witness on the stand, and they ask him questions. What did you see? What did you hear? What did you experience? And, and that's what a witness shares. Here's what I saw. Here's what happened. A witness shares and declares what they've seen and heard. Jesus said, you will be my witnesses. Now, 
That doesn't mean we are only to be a witness if we are called on stand at a jury. How many of you have ever been called for jury duty? You received that one of those little little slips of paper in the mail or letters, and and uh, I think the universal uh, response is, Ugh. you know, you sign up and and you got to follow through with it, and and maybe you've been selected or maybe you've not, but you've gone through that. But he says, you will be my witnesses. It's not just if you're called to jury duty. It's everywhere and anywhere you and I might be. We are called to be a witness. We are called to share everything we've seen and heard about who God is and his plan for their lives. And so we are going to be empowered. The Holy Spirit gives power to be a witness. Sometimes we might say, I'm not sure. That's just not me. I'm not sure if I can do that. I'm not sure if I can speak. I mean, this person over here and that person over there, uh, they're just so outgoing and me, I'm kind of quiet. Listen, the, the Holy Spirit comes to empower us, to equip us, to help us share. It doesn't mean that it's going to transform you into an incredible extrovert, but the Holy Spirit will equip and empower you to be a witness, to share about Jesus to others. Listen, our world is so indifferent to the gospel, and it's, it's so in opposition to God and his word. We, we see that on a, literally a daily basis, if not weekly. We see so many things that are in opposition to God and his word. We've got to stand up and declare who God is, what his word says, and the plan that he has for them. We can't do it in our own strength. We need the power of the Holy Spirit that lives inside of us to help us boldly share, boldly be a witness. The Holy Spirit gives power. So take a look then at Acts chapter 2, and we're going to work our way through kind of a lengthy passage of Scripture here talking about the day of Pentecost. But we're going to see how the Holy Spirit has equipped and empowered the disciples. Acts chapter 2, verse 1, it says, On the day of Pentecost... All the believers were meeting together in one place. Suddenly there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm, and it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. Side note, we, we talked about that a little bit last week. It's the Holy Spirit who comes and equips and empowers and, and gives the opportunity and ability to speak in this unknown other language. Verse 5, at that time, there were devout Jews from every nation living in Jerusalem. When they heard the loud noise, everyone came running... And they were bewildered to hear their own languages being spoken by the believers. People who were from all kinds of other nations and countries, and they heard these believers speaking in those languages. That was bewildering to them how that could take place. They were completely amazed, verse 7. How can this be, they exclaimed. These people are all from Galilee, and yet we hear them speaking in our own native languages. Here we are. Parthians, Medes, Elamites, people from Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, 
the province of Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, the areas of Libya, around Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs, and we all hear these people speaking in our own languages about the wonderful things God has done. You want to talk power, You've got individuals from one area being baptized in the Holy Spirit and speaking out and proclaiming in other languages to the Lord. And people from all of these other lands, all of these other areas are hearing these languages that these people did not know, did not understand, were not able to fluently speak. And yet the baptism of the Holy Spirit came upon them and equipped them with power to do this. Verse 12, they stood there amazed and perplexed. What can this mean, they asked. Verse 13, others in the crowd ridiculed them, saying, they're just drunk, that's all. Uh, that's, that's the solution just to explain it away. Uh, they must be drunk. That's the way that they're able to do these things or say these things. And Peter stepped forward with the 11 other apostles and shouted to the crowd, Listen carefully, all of you, fellow Jews and residents of Jerusalem. Make no mistake about this. These people are not drunk, as some of you are assuming. Nine o'clock in the morning is much too early for that. He says, no, what you see was predicted long ago by the prophet Joel. Scripture we read earlier. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit upon all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Young men will see visions. Old men will dream dreams. In those days, I will pour out my spirit, even on my servants, men and women alike, and they will prophesy. And I will cause wonders in the heavens above, signs on the earth below, blood and fire and clouds of smoke. The sun will become dark and the moon will turn blood red before that great and glorious day of the Lord arrives. But everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Listen, there is power when you call upon God. There is power for salvation. And he's saying, listen, there is the power of the Holy Spirit to come in and to come upon your heart and upon your life. And these individuals were in, equipped and empowered. They began to speak in a language they did not know. And Peter is speaking and declaring the word of God. In fact, who was the one who is speaking and declaring in front of everybody else? Peter. If we remember back, it wasn't too long ago that it was Easter season. And, and one of the parts of the, uh, the, the story of Easter and the story of Jesus Christ going to the cross, if you remember, was Peter. Simon Peter, who ultimately denied Jesus, right? Denied even knowing him once. No, twice. No, three times. Remember, Jesus even, he even spoke and prophesied. He says, before the rooster crows, you will deny that you even know me three times. And that's exactly what Peter did. People were saying, don't you know Jesus? Aren't you one of them? Aren't you with him? And Peter swore he was not. I'm not with him. I'm not one of them. In fact, I don't even know the man. That was who Peter was, right? He, he denied even knowing Jesus. And now after the resurrection and after the day of Pentecost, after the baptism in and infilling of the Holy Spirit, Peter's jumping up in front of a crowd, not just a servant girl in front of a fire, 
But a massive crowd of people, Peter jumps up in front of everybody. He's preaching and declaring who Jesus is. And he's talking about the Holy Spirit who gives power. He speaks boldly. He speaks with confidence. He speaks with clarity about what Jesus is able to do and God's plan to pour out his Holy Spirit. And as he preaches, as he shares, as he is a witness, what happens? In fact, many, many, many people, thousands respond and become believers and the church is birthed. Drop down towards the end of chapter 1, I'm sorry, the, the end of chapter 2. Acts 2.41, it says, Those who accepted his message were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. You want to talk about power? Power that transforms the life of Peter, who was not willing to stand up for God to a servant girl in the midst of a fire, now preaching so boldly that 3,000 people responded and were saved. Chances are pretty good that not everybody who heard responded and were saved. So this was a crowd multiply larger than 3,000. And now Peter, who could not proclaim and profess that he knew Jesus to a servant girl, now is preaching to thousands of people. Listen, the Holy Spirit comes and gives power. Power to be able to speak and share and witness and live for God. The Holy Spirit not only gives power, the Holy Spirit gives spiritual gifts. Number two. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 8 through 11, it says, To one there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom, to another a message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit, to another faith by the Spirit, to another gifts of healing, to another miraculous powers, to another prophecy, to another distinguishing between spirits, to another speaking in different kinds of tongues, and to still another the interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of one and the same Spirit, and He distributes them to each one as He determines. Not just baptized in the Holy Spirit to receive power, but the Holy Spirit gives spiritual gifts. Different gifts, different individuals, and you've seen some of these spiritual gifts at work uh, in our services, even in some of uh, your life and my life. Not only does the Holy Spirit give gifts, the Holy Spirit gives power. We need these gifts to, to come upon our hearts and to come upon our lives to help declare and communicate God's heart and plan to the world around us. It's, it's a part of this supernatural work. It's distributed as he wills or determines. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 7 says the spiritual gift is given to each of us so we can help each other. So the Holy Spirit gives gifts. It might not be the exact same gift. Uh, there's a, a variety of different gifts of the Spirit. But we are equipped and we are empowered and then given spiritual gifts. They are for the Christian, for the believer, Spiritual gifts are not just for pastors or board members or Sunday school teachers. They are for the Christian and for the believer. And so God desires to bless and desires to give gifts. Who doesn't love gifts? I mean, how many of you, you know, when you've got a box all wrapped up in a bow and it's got your name on it, it says, yeah, no, I don't think so. <laughs> give it to someone else. I mean, we enjoy gifts. Birthdays, Christmas, etc. 
And so if there is a gift and God desires to give a gift to you, why would we not say, yes, please? I desire to receive the gift, this baptism in the Holy Spirit, spiritual gifts that come to the life of a Christian and a believer. The Holy Spirit gives power. The Holy Spirit gives gifts, and they're for service. The the gifts of the Spirit are not given so that we can become bigger stars, but so that we can become better servants, that we can serve the Lord, that we can serve one another. These spiritual gifts are not so that we can hold on to them and, and kind of uh, you know, keep them tight, but really so that we can give them away. Giving away the goodness of God, the might and the power, the message of hope found in Jesus Christ. Our world needs to know the plan of hope, the plan of love, the plan of salvation, the plan of redemption. Pentecost and, and the results thereof, it wasn't just about making some noise and drawing some attention to believers. It was about empowering Christians and drawing the attention to God. When you and I live with the power of the Holy Spirit inside, we are living lives that point people and turn people to God. In a sense, uh, we're to be deliverers of God's message and God's gift. How many of you knew you were a delivery person? You're a delivery person. You are to share and communicate and deliver the message of God, the plan of God to others. When it comes to deliveries, don't don't you like your messages? Don't you like your deliveries? Don't you like your packages to arrive on time and arrive correctly? And boy, isn't it disappointing when it doesn't arrive on time or it doesn't arrive correctly. Experienced that just a little bit ago. You think about packages, you think about deliveries, you want something that you ordered and you want it to get here when they say it's going to get here and you want it to be the right thing. Well, you and I, as delivery people, we are to share and communicate God's word to others and be able to communicate that rightly and on time. I read a story about a uh, U.S. postal worker who was caught with a public storage unit full of mail that he never delivered. He said he felt too much pressure to finish his mail route every day. So he rented a public storage unit for $49 a month for the sole purpose of storing mail he could not deliver. Nearly 5,000 pieces of mail were reportedly stashed in his storage unit. They uh, found pieces of first-class mail, including letters from the Department of Motor Vehicles, from the IRS, from insurance companies, bank statements, other tax return documents. The postal worker told authorities he intended to deliver the mail in the storage unit. He just simply fell behind. He had a great heart. He had a great goal. He wanted to communicate. He wanted to deliver those pieces of mail. It was just a little too much. Listen, we've got, I mean, as important as some of those pieces of mail were, and I mentioned some of those things they found, and they were important documents that people needed. How much more important is it that we share, that we deliver, that we communicate words of hope and truth about God's love and forgiveness and salvation and redemption? Let's not wait. Let's make sure that we are equipped and empowered and that we walk and live in the spiritual gifts that the Holy Spirit gives. 
2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 20 puts it this way. We are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. Here's the good news. God doesn't want us to feel pressured to do this, but God wants us to be empowered. That's the difference. Not pressured, but equipped and empowered to share the good news, to share the hope found in Jesus Christ. He gives the Holy Spirit as a source of power. He enables us to be able to deliver the good news, deliver his message, and distribute the gifts with clarity and with courage. So God has the promise of and the gift of the Holy Spirit, the baptism in the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost. The day of Pentecost came. They were baptized in the Holy Spirit and they began to speak in other tongues. So maybe the question that's in your heart or in your mind, maybe as a Christian who has not yet been baptized in the Holy Spirit, maybe the question would be this. How do I receive? How do I receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit? Just a few moments as we prepare to conclude, we're going to invite you, if you're a Christian and you've not yet been baptized in the Holy Spirit, we're going to invite you to come forward. We're going to pray with you and believe that God would baptize you in the Holy Spirit. Let me give you just a handful of practical principles. This isn't some magic formula, but just a handful of practical principles. First of all, I want to encourage you to desire the gift. Desire the gift. The the Holy Spirit, the gift of the Holy Spirit, Jesus said, it is a gift, and hopefully you would desire that. When it comes to a birthday present, when it comes to a a Christmas present, I don't know too many people who simply kind of push it away and say, nah, I don't really want a gift. Most people say, if you've got a gift, I would love to receive it. No matter what that gift might be, sometimes they're very valuable gifts. Sometimes they're sentimental gifts. Sometimes it's just the thought behind the gift, right? But we love to and we enjoy receiving gifts. So spiritually, when it comes to the baptism in the Holy Spirit, I want to encourage you to desire the gift. Be willing not just to seek after, but to ask the Heavenly Father for the gift that's been promised. He's promised it. He desires to be able to bless and to give that gift. So desire the gift. Secondly, let me encourage you to expect to receive. Expect to receive. Now, sometimes when people come and they, they pray or they seek the baptism in the Holy Spirit, let's just say sometimes we can psych ourselves out before we even begin. I mean, in a few moments, you might come forward and you say, well, I've prayed for this before and it didn't happen. Probably not going to happen today, but oh, well, I guess I'm here. Before you even begin, you're determining there's no way I'm going to be able to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. There's no way I'm going to receive this gift. I want to encourage you, come forward with the attitude of expectancy. God, it's a gift. I desire to receive it. I'm looking forward to do that. Have that atmosphere of expectation. God, I'm trusting in you. I'm believing in you. It's nothing about me. It's a gift. I'm simply open and ready to receive. Receive it as we'd receive another gift. Now, let's be be cautious about that. We don't need to beg for it. We also don't need to demand it. But we can ask, seek, and receive. 
It's a gift. So we can't come and we can't yell at God and demand that we receive it and we receive it right now. But we can come and we can ask with that attitude of expectation, God, you've got a gift. As a Christian, as a believer, I'm ready to receive that. Would you bless? Would you baptize in the power of the Holy Spirit? So we can desire the gift, expect to receive. Third, in just a practical format, I want to challenge and encourage you then to begin to speak out in faith. As we take a look at the baptism in the Holy Spirit, the day of Pentecost here, Acts chapter 2, when these Christians, when these believers were baptized in the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages, speak in other tongues, it says that other people heard them. So guess what? They were speaking. So that's, this is kind of one of those challenges when it comes to being baptized in the Holy Spirit. Uh, many times the thought is to maybe stand or pray in our hearts and in our minds, but we're not sure that we want to begin speaking out loud. I want to encourage you to speak out in faith. See, the initial physical evidence of baptism in the Holy Spirit is speaking in other languages and other tongues. In fact, Acts chapter 2, verse 4, it says, they were, Everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them the ability. The Holy Spirit equipped and empowered them, but required them to speak those words. So part of the practical thought is this, be willing to stop speaking in English and begin speaking in what the Lord gives to you. The challenge is, have you ever known someone to speak two languages at the same time? You might know two languages, maybe you've studied French, maybe you've studied Spanish, maybe you've studied some other language and you, know, you can speak one, you can speak another, and you kind of go back and forth from one to the next, but you can't do two at once. And so begin to speak as God places some of those thoughts and words upon your heart. Speak out in faith. Leave the unknown. Receive the unknown. As we speak out in faith next, I want to encourage you to speak what God gives. Again, in a practical sense, maybe you're going to kind of sense God placing some words or phrases or thoughts upon your heart. And the challenge is, I don't want to feel silly speaking these things because I've never heard this before. The baptism in the Holy Spirit, speaking in other languages and other tongues, is not God just kind of giving some other thoughts in English to speak. And so words and phrases or syllables, and you say, I'm not sure what this is. Speak out in faith, but speak out what it is that God gives to you. Again, Acts 2, verse 4, all of them were filled and began to speak. They began to speak. So we speak out in faith. We speak out what God gives. Understand, the Holy Spirit is not going to come upon you like, the, uh, like a robot and just force and manipulate and just take over your body and make you speak. Listen, it's your body. Someone put it like this in his book, Be Filled with the Spirit. Author Doyle Jones said, You will never speak if you keep waiting for the Spirit to put you into some kind of trance and do it all for you. It will be your mouth, your tongue, your voice, but his words. I like that. So, 
God, through the power of the Holy Spirit, uses your mouth, your tongue, your voice as you speak it out. But it's his words as he baptizes you in the Holy Spirit. Even if it, it maybe seems or senses like there's only a handful of syllables, maybe they're words of praise to the Lord. You and I aren't understanding of all of what that is, begin to speak out in faith, speak out what God gives, even if it doesn't seem like it's a language to you. Being baptized in the Holy Spirit isn't about us understanding or translating, but as the Holy Spirit comes, we can speak out what God begins to give. And then a final instruction, Paul would write this. The encouragement would then be to pray in the Spirit daily. As you're baptized in the power of the Holy Spirit and, and some of those words and phrases that, that the Lord would baptize you with, begin to pray and begin to use that as a language to connect with and to communicate with the Lord. Paul encourages us to be filled with and to pray in the Spirit. The Holy Spirit gives power. The Holy Spirit gives spiritual gifts, and the Holy Spirit is available to you and to me today.